Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. You are well, and you know today is Thursday, and it means we have two more days. Well, today, Friday, and um, uh, let's say two-thirds of Saturday, uh, left to Paschal Tide. This is Ascension Tide, the Ascension of our Lord this week, um, which began a week ago today, on Thursday, the official first-class Feast of Ascension, which was in the Novus Ordo, uh, transferred to Sunday, and it lasts until the Saturday vigil this week, which is Pentecost. It's it's the most thrilling, magnificent, magnificent time of year. So Paschal Tide um, uh, extends from Easter all the way to and not including Pentecost. Um, and I began, uh, we weren't able to be with you live yesterday, but I began two days ago a most excellent article by Don Prosper Garager, who wrote in the 1800s um, on the Ascension. And um, because we've skipped a day, I'd love to just start right from the beginning and read it right through, and then we'll take your calls and your emails and your text, beloved. I'll give the number out in advance. It's one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three for your calls and texts, and email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. And this is right from uh, Abbot Garanger's uh, liturgical year. Um, he was the abbot of Salem, restored Gregorian chant back to France and Europe. Uh, just, I believe, his cause is up for canonization. He's just outstanding. Um, I commented quite a bit on the beginning of this two days ago. I, I'm going to try to read it through without comment so we can get through it this morning. Um, and he begins, The sun, S-U-N, <clears throat> the sun of the 40th day has risen in all its splendor. The earth, which shook with gladness at the birth of our Emmanuel, now thrills with a strange emotion. Beloved, this is so beautiful. And it, it, Pentecost could not happen if he had not returned to the Father. That's what he says to his disciples. If, if I don't go, the paraclete, the paraclete, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come. This is, a, this is crucial. The divine series of the mysteries of the man-God is about to close. Heaven has caught up the joy of earth. The angelic choirs are preparing to receive their promised king, and their princes stand at the gates that they may open them when the signal is given of the mighty conqueror's approach. The holy souls that were liberated from limbo on the morning of the resurrection are hovering around Jerusalem, waiting for the happy moment when heaven's gate, closed by Adam's sin, shall be thrown open, and they shall enter in company with their Redeemer a few hours more, and then to heaven. Meanwhile, our risen Jesus has to visit his disciples and bid them farewell, for they are to be left for some years longer 
in this veil of tears. They are in the cenacle, impatiently awaiting his coming. Suddenly appears in their midst of the mother's joy, who would dare to speak? As to the disciples and the holy women, they fall down and affectionately adore their master, who has come to take his leave of them. He deigns to sit down to table with them. He even condescends to eat with them, not indeed to give them proof of his resurrection, for he knows that they have no further doubts of the mystery. But now that he is about to sit at the right hand of the Father, he would give them this enduring, endearing mark of familiarity. O oh, admirable repast, in which Mary, for the last time in this world, is seated side by side with her Jesus, and in which the church, represented by the disciples and the holy women, is honored by the visible presidency of her head and spouse. What tongue could describe the respect, the recollected mien, the attention of the guests? With what love must they have riveted their eyes on the dear master? They long to hear him speak. His parting words will be so treasured. He does not keep them long in suspense. He speaks, but his language is not what they perhaps expected it to be. All affection. He begins by reminding them of the incredulity wherewith they heard of his resurrection. He is going to entrust his disciples, his apostles, with the most sublime mission ever given to man. He would therefore prepare them for it by humbling them. A few days hence, they are to be the lights of the world. The world must believe what they preach, believe it on their word, Believe it without having seen. Believe what the apostles alone have seen. It is by faith that man approaches his God. They themselves were once without it, and Jesus would have them now express their sorrow for their former incredulity and thus base their apostolate on humility. Then, assuming a tone of authority such as none but a God could take, he says to them, Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Oh, beloved, I said I wasn't going to comment, but those are our Lord's words to us. He that believeth, that doesn't apply to Christians or Catholics, Catholic Christians, non-Catholic Christians. It applies to Jews and Muslims and atheists and everyone. Every single person for whom Christ died. And for whom did he die? He died for every single soul. If you are listening, dear one, he died for you. And so he says to you, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And how shall they accomplish this mission of preaching the gospel to the whole world? How shall they persuade men to believe their word? By miracles. And these signs, continued Jesus, shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands upon the sick. They shall recover. He would have miracles to be the foundation of his church. 
just as he had made them the argument of his own divine mission. The suspension of the laws of nature proves to us that it is God who speaks. We must receive the word and humbly believe it. Here then, we have men unknown to the world and devoid of every human means, and yet commissioned to conquer the earth and make it acknowledge Jesus as its king. The world ignores their very existence. Tiberius, who sits on the imperial throne, trembling at every shadow of conspiracy, little suspects that there is being prepared an expedition which is to conquer the Roman Empire. But these warriors must have their armor. (coughs) And the armor must be of heaven's own tempering. Jesus tells them that they are to receive it a few days hence. Stay, says he, in the city till ye be endued with power from on high. But what is this armor? Jesus explains it to them. He reminds them of the Father's promise. That promise says he, which ye have heard by my mouth. For John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. I get chills when I think of this, beloved. This coming Saturday night, the eve of Pentecost, the the birthday of the church, because it was the birthday of Judaism. Dom Geringer continues, but the hour of separation is come. Jesus arises, his blessed mother and the 120 persons assembled there prepare to follow him. The cenacle is situated on Mount Sion, which is one of the two hills of the valley of Jehoshaphat. It is the last time that Jesus walks through the faithless city. He is, the invis- he is invisible to the eyes of the people who denied him, but visible to his disciples and goes before him, before them as heretofore the pillar of fire led on the Israelites. How beautiful and imposing a sight. Mary, the disciples, and the holy women accompanying Jesus in his heavenward journey, which is to lead him to the right hand of his eternal Father. It was commemorated in the Middle Ages by a solemn procession before the Mass of Ascension Day. What Happy times were those when Christians took delight in honoring every action of our Redeemer. They could not be satisfied as we are with a few vague notions which can produce nothing but an equally vague devotion. Dear ones, this was written 200 years ago. It's simply amazing that so much has been lost So much has been given up, including the Feast of the Ascension itself, transferred like most holy days. What were holy days of obligation are now transferred to Sunday, which is a holy day of obligation, but few people know what's going on. Um, It's just, I think, an absolute tragedy. In the Latin Mass, the holy days are kept and celebrated and understood. So, dear ones, there's the music for our first break, and we will continue this when we come back, but you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll-free 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll take your calls um, when we come back, as soon as uh, we've completed this article. There's not much to go. We'll see you in a moment. Don't go away.
The Gospels record many instances of our Lord going off to a secluded place to pray, so we can be sure that finding a quiet place for prayer is vital for us as well. Located in the serene setting of Cranberry, Pennsylvania, the St. Thomas More House of Prayer is the perfect place to deepen your prayer life or to hold a group retreat. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center whose mission is to pray the Liturgy of the Hours and spread this beautiful prayer of the Church. Book a visit or learn more by going to liturgyofthehours.org or call us at 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. There's no better way to start your day than with spiritual formation from inspiring priests. If we don't live our lives the way they're supposed to be lived, if we don't use what God has given us the way it's supposed to be used, no wonder it doesn't function. And that we're frustrated and that we're suffering and that there's chaos. That's Sermons for Everyday Living weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. Through your generosity, we're able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we're going to continue with our article on the Ascension. And um, we do have a, a, a question from Guy from Cleveland. Are you there, Guy? There, I'm, yes, Mother, I'm here. Uh, How are you? Hi, dear one. Fine. Um, let me know your question. Maybe we could uh, um, talk for a moment before I continue the article. Okay. I was wondering, why is the penalty of, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Latte Sententiae never preached about or even mentioned by the hierarchy of the church? Why aren't the priests pointing this out during their homilies? Um, I, it's a mystery. It's a mystery, Guy. You are pronouncing it correctly, and it's an absolute mystery. It's um, why they're not preaching it is the same reason why they're not speaking about many things, teaching the faith, speaking about confession, um, hell, and all of that. It, the faith has just been lost to three three generations. Um, uh, Latte, uh, now, I, now I'm having trouble with it. Uh, Latte Sententiae is, of course, uh, automatic excommunication, uh, which happens... Uh, without anyone imposing it on someone, excommunication can be imposed either by the right authority, a bishop usually, through a canonical process, but also um, it can be opposed by canon law itself, 
when certain actions take place, and it's automatic whether, for example, um, it happens when someone commits an act that is specifically punished in canon law by a penalty of automatic excommunication. Um, that I'm, I'm going to read now from the 1983 Code of Canon Law, um, which attaches the penalty of automatic excommunication to the following act- actions. Now, this is, it, it's just, I said it would be quick, but this is so important, Guy. I, I, your question is is so needed. Your, your point is so needed. Um, if anyone in this category commits these actions that I'm about to read according to the Code of Canon Law, they are automatically excommunicated. Not a bishop or priest doesn't have to say a word. They're automatically have excommunicated themselves from the church, and the only way back is to go to, um, I'm not sure if just a priest could handle that. It might need to be the bishop. Um, Excommunication for the following actions. First, if there are apostates, heretics, and schismatics, and and the article on Catholic.com uh, notes every point of canon law, uh, if they desecrate the Eucharist, um, excommunication is applied to a person who physically attacks the Pope, to a priest who in confession solicits, solicits another to violate the Sixth Commandment, to a bishop who consecrates another bishop without papal mandate. A priest, who and that that would apply to um, uh, Bishop Archbishop Lefebvre, but those excommunications were lifted on those four bishops by Pope um, Benedict the Sixteenth. Further, a priest who violates the seal of the confessional, any priest who violates the seal of the confessional, is automatically excommunicated. Also, a person who procures an abortion. Any woman who has an abortion, uh, any doctor who commits an abortion, is automatically excommunicated from the church. And also accomplices who are needed to commit an action that has an automatic excommunication penalty. And it says, go ahead, Guy. I was going to say, I'd like to point something out that is is probably most relevant to, to the Catholic community, and that's that uh, one of those that you mentioned was heresy, and, and and heresy is simply the willful and persistent adherence to an error in matters of faith. So Correct. people that support um, homosexual marriage or abortion for any reason are are mm-hmm. are automatically excommunicated ipso facto. I mean, just, I, I, and I, I asked my my uh, my priest friend this, and he he totally agreed. Yes, there's uh, there's I agree too. Um, there is um, uh, a further note here that says in order for the penalty to be considered to apply, certain conditions must be met. Right, this is Canon 1323. Three conditions. One, the individual must be at least 16 years of age. I don't know how that age was determined, but must be at least 16 years old. Now, the person who, so someone who has an abortion under 16, that's one matter, but the physician committing the, uh, doing the abortion uh, is excommunicated. Secondly, the individual must know that his action was a violation of church law. Same thing in, in mortal sin. Mortal sin is, is always grave, whether the person knows it or not. But if they don't know it, 
um, the accountability is not excommunication. Number three, the individual must have acted freely without the threat of force or grave fear, have the use of reason, and not have acted mistakenly. So this, again, really is the... um, uh, qualifications for mortal sin except the age of at least 16 I, I've not heard that before so um, uh, the article at catholic.com um, says it goes further but it concludes that an excommunicated person is not to receive the sacraments however if he does so in violation of the law the sacraments are valid an excommunicated person who marries has illicitly but validly received the sacrament um, and, and it goes on, in such circumstances, the grace of the sacrament would be of no effect, valid but no effect, since the person is in a state of mortal sin. In the case of confession, the sacrament would be invalid because all mortal sins must be confessed for a valid confession. And if the individual withholds his actions that occurred, incurred automatic excommunication, he would be um, withholding a mortal sin. So. Um, Guy, I appreciate your call very much. There is so much that is detrimental to the souls of Catholics and of everyone on earth and that is simply not being taught by by our church, just not being taught. Um, in many, many churches, uh, more Novus Ordo, more than Latin uh, Rite, um, it's simply the application of our faith. We should do this, we should think this, we should, but the faith is not being taught. It's absolutely tragic. And it is the neglect of the um, ordination of priests who have the salvation of souls foremost uh, as their, um, uh, as their um, ordination, as their mission. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mother. Yeah. God bless you, Guy. Thanks for calling and for that for that point. Thank you so much. Let me continue for a moment now on the article of the Ascension because we have um, tomorrow and three quarters of Saturday or two thirds of Saturday left to Paschal Tide, and Sunday could not happen without the Ascension. The apostles, it continues, reflected on the thoughts which Mary must have had during these moments of her son's presence, that is, after the resurrection, prior to his ascension. They used to ask themselves which of the two sentiments was uppermost in her maternal heart. Was it sadness that she was to see her son, see her Jesus no more, or joy that he was now going to enter into the glory he so infinitely deserved? The answer was soon found, had not Jesus said to his disciples, If ye loved me, ye would indeed be glad, because I go to the Father. Now who loved Jesus as Mary did? The mother's heart then was full of joy at parting with him. Now was she to think of herself. How, rather, was she to think of herself when there was a question of the triumph of her son and her God? Could she that had witnessed the scene of Calvary do less than desire to see him glorified, whom she knew to be the sovereign Lord of all things, him whom but a short time ago she had seen rejected by his people, blasphemed and dying the most ignominious and cruel of deaths? The holy group has traversed the valley of Jehoshaphat. It has crossed the brook uh, Cedron. It is moving on toward the Mount Olivet, 
what recollections would crowd on the mind. This torrent, of which Jesus had drunk on the day of his humiliation, is now the path he takes to triumph and glory. The royal prophet had foretold it. On their left are the garden and the cave, where he suffered his agony and accepted the bitter chalice of his passion. After having come as far as what St. Luke calls the distance of the journey allowed to the Jews on a Sabbath day, they are close to Bethania, Bethany, that favored village where Jesus used to accept hospitality at the hands of Lazarus and his two sisters. This part of Mount Olivet commands a view of Jerusalem, the site of its temple and palaces makes the disciples proud of their earthly city. They have forgotten the curse uttered against her. They seem to have forgotten, too, that Jesus has just made them citizens and conquerors of the whole world. They begin to dream of the earthly grandeur of Jerusalem and turning to their divine master, their venture, they venture to ask him this question, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel. This is where we left off, dear ones. <clears throat> the Jewish people who knew their old, there was an Old Testament because there wasn't a New Testament, the Tanakh, the scriptures, um, knew that the Messiah was to restore again the kingdom to Israel, was to set up uh, his kingdom on earth where they were to rule and reign with him. The scriptures also speak, and this is my own comment here, of a suffering Messiah um, who would suffer and die. Um, and if you read Isaiah, uh, the end of chapter 52 and the whole of chapter three, 53, it speaks of both, um, both of the suffering Messiah and of the one who would rise from the dead. Um, and the Orthodox Jews who do not believe that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, God come to earth in human flesh through the Blessed Virgin. Um, they see there's a suffering Messiah. They see there's a reigning Messiah. The scriptures speak much more of the reigning Messiah, the King, than they do of the suffering Messiah. And so the, the, the people of Israel were focused then uh, as some who have kept their faith are today on the coming of Messiah to set up his kingdom and defeat their enemies, especially the Romans in the time of Jesus. Um, so they were not earthly-minded. They were heavenly-minded for God to set up his earthly kingdom. Um, but they didn't understand that he came first as a dying lamb and had to would come again as a reigning king. And so they said, now, Lord, is it now? We, we didn't know you had to die, so you died, okay. And now you rose from the dead um, to give life, to open heaven to us. Now are you going to do it? Now are you going to set up your kingdom? We got it wrong, but are you going to do it now? And our Lord says, it is not for you to know the times and moments which the Father has put in his own power. And uh, Dom Garanger says, these words do not destroy the hope that Jerusalem is to be restored by the Christian Israel. And Christian Israel has to be understood. It's Israel fulfilled in its Messiah and spread to the four corners of the earth through every tribe and tongue and nation and people. But this is not to happen until the world is drawing toward its end. There is nothing that requires our Savior's revealing the secret. What ought to be uppermost in the mind of the disciples 
is the conversion of the pagan world, the establishment of the church. We'll be right back there once. Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. Prayer in Time of Affliction Blessed, O Lord, be thy name forever. Who has permitted this affliction to come upon us? We cannot escape it, but must of necessity fly to thee to help us and turn it to our good. Lord, we are now in affliction. Our souls are ill at ease, for we are much troubled with this present suffering. Let it please Thee, O Lord, to deliver us, for poor wretches that we are. What can we do without Thee? Thy mighty hand can do all things. Give us patience, O Lord, and strength and peace. Help us, O God, and we will not fear, no matter how grievously we may be afflicted. O Lord, Thy will be done. Welcome be the will of God. Sacred Heart of Jesus, we place our trust in Thee. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a full half hour before us and we welcome your calls your emails and your text but i'm right oh more than halfway through an article by dom prosper dom garanger who wrote 200 years ago beautiful article on the ascension and i wanted to read it through today because we have uh today tomorrow and uh part of saturday left to ascension tide which is involved in in the middle of Paschal Tide, it ends the season from Easter right through to the Vigil of Pentecost this Saturday evening. So it's so important. If this, if the Ascension didn't happen, uh, <clears throat> then Pentecost wouldn't happen. Jesus said, um, unless I go, the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, won't come to you. So we're waiting with great excitement for this weekend. And Jesus says, um, it isn't for you to know the times or moments with the Father, which the Father has put in his own power. Um, and again, when is, it, when is he going to come back? When is he going to set up his kingdom? And we, we, we think, I'm, I'm commenting now, um, that uh, we're near the end times. Uh, we're in the end times, actually, beloved. The end times began with our Lord on the cross. Uh, it seems that we're nearing the end of the end times, 
and all kinds of prophecies and predictions and seems like we're living out uh, the book of Revelation but only our Lord knows for sure and um, and Dom Guerin J says that what ought to be uppermost in the mind of the disciples and I add in our minds is the conversion of the pagan world the establishment of the church uh, the church the world um, from without and the church from within is being destroyed um, left and right and um, the church will never be destroyed the gates of hell will never prevail against it uh, God will continue to lead into all truths till the end of time but there's much confusion our Lord has given the enemy a tremendous amount of freedom and we see before us we are we are sheep without shepherds for the most part not completely but for the most part our shepherds have failed our shepherds have gone astray our shepherds are living a life that they should be teaching the sheep not to live um, or they're silent or whatever it is we're in we're in rough times but beloved uh, these are time these are times for us to redouble triple our commitment to live our faith and again as the first disciples what ought to be uppermost in our minds is the conversion of the pagan world the establishment of the church how is that going to happen by living our faith a thousand times I say that is if it is true without compromise I'm going to continue with Dom Geringer's writing here. Jesus reminds the disciples of the mission he has just given to them. Ye shall receive, says he, the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost part of the earth. They failed him a thousand times all through the Jewish journey of bringing the Messiah to the world. They failed him. They were given the commission through Isaiah, God through Isaiah to be a light to the Gentiles, to the nations, but they failed over and over again. But now, in Acts chapter 1, our Lord says, you will receive the power of the Holy Ghost and you shall be my witnesses in the uttermost parts of the earth beginning in Jerusalem because now they will have the indwelling Holy Spirit which they didn't have. We have that through our baptism and the continuous uh, uh, continuous grace of the sacraments but the Jewish people, the Hebrew people did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon some people like Saul for a mission for a time, including King David. That's why when David sinned with Bathsheba and had her husband killed, he he begged God, Psalm 50, do not take thy Holy Spirit from me, because God would. Um, It was only that the Holy Spirit came upon certain commissioned people, Moses, in the Old Testament for a mission for a time. But he lives in us all the time. And so when the Pentecost came and he filled the disciples, now, for the first time, they could truly carry out the the mission that God gave them through Isaiah, through the Old Testament, to be a light to the Gentiles. According, uh, Dom Garanger says, according to a tradition which has been handed down from the earliest ages of Christianity, it is midday now, the same hour at which he was raised up, when nailed to his cross giving his blessed mother a look of filial affection and another a fond farewell to the rest of the group that stand around him, Jesus raises up his hands and blesses them all. 
While thus blessing them, he is raised up from the ground, whereon he stands and ascends into heaven. Their eyes follow him until a cloud comes and receives him out of their sight. Yes, Jesus is gone. The earth has lost her her Emmanuel. And you know Emmanuel means God with us. 4,000 years had he been expected. The patriarchs and the prophets had desired his coming with all the fervor of their souls. He came. His love made him our captive in the chaste womb of the Virgin of Nazareth. It was there he first received our adorations. Nine months after, the Blessed Mother offered him to our joyous love in the stable at Bethlehem. We followed him into Egypt. We returned with him. We dwelt with him at Nazareth. When he began the three years of his public life, we kept close to his step. We delighted in being near him. We listened to his preaching and parables. We saw his miracles. The malice of his enemies reached its height, and the time came where, wherein he was to give us the last and grandest proof of the love that had brought him from heaven by dying for us on a cross. We kept near him as he died, and our souls were purified by the blood that flowed from his wounds. On the third day he rose again from his grave, and we stood by exulting in his triumph over death, for that triumph won for us a like resurrection. During the 40 days he has deigned to spend with us since his resurrection, our faith has made us cling to him. He would fain have kept him with us forever, but the hour is come. He has left us. Yes, our dearest Jesus is gone. Oh, happy the souls that he had taken from limbo. They have gone with him, and for all eternity are to enjoy the heaven of his visible presence. The disciples are still steadfastly looking up towards heaven when, lo, two angels clad in white robes appear to them, saying, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye looking up to heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, shall come as ye have seen him going into heaven. He has ascended, a Savior, He is to return a judge. Between these two events is compromised the whole life of the church on, I should not say compromised, between these two events is comprised the whole life of the church on earth. We are therefore living under the reign of Jesus as our Savior, for he has said, God bent not God sent not his son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved by him and to carry out this merciful design he has just been giving to his disciples the mission to go throughout the whole world and invite men while yet there is time to accept the mystery of salvation dear ones while yet there is time how much time does that mean for us I think the time is between now and, God willing, when we go to bed tonight. We have no guarantee that we'll even be alive till we go to bed tonight. And we certainly have no guarantee that we'll wake up in the morning. So when people say, how do I prepare for what's coming in the world? 
instruction, how do I prepare even for our Lord's second coming? And I say to them, the way you prepare to go to sleep at night, make sure your sins are confessed and that you're in right standing with God. Pray to God. Ask him to confess. Ask him to forgive your sins. And if you have a mortal sin on your soul, don't go to sleep tonight. Go and knock on a priest's door and confess that sin to him. <clears throat> I absolutely love Father Rick Heilman um, in Madison, Wisconsin, who has a bell on his rectory door, and anyone can come 24-7, 3 in the morning, they ring the bell, and he runs downstairs to hear their confession. At any time, he drops what he's doing or wakes up and hears their confession. That is a priest of God. I continue now with Dom Garanger. What a task is this he imposes on the disciples. And now that they are to begin their work, he leaves them. They return from Mount Olivet, and Jesus is not with them. And yet they are not sad. They have Mary to console them. Their unselfish generosity is their, her unselfish generosity is their model. And well do they learn the lesson. They love Jesus. They rejoice at the thought of his having entered into his rest. They went back into Jerusalem with great joy. These few, Luke 24 tells the whole story. <clears throat> These few simple words of the gospel indicate the spirit of this admirable feast of the ascension. It is a festival which, notwithstanding its soft tinge of sadness, is more than any other expressive of joy and triumph. This solemnity is the completion of the mysteries of our redemption. That is, that it is one of those which were instituted by the apostles. And finally, that it has impressed a character of sacredness on the Thursday of each week, the day already so highly honored by the institution of the Eucharist. Last paragraph, dear ones. We have alluded to the procession whereby our Catholic forefathers used on this feast to use on this feast to celebrate the journey of Jesus and his disciples to Mount Olivet. Another custom observed on the ascension was the solemn blessing, blessing given to bread and to the new fruits. It was commemorative of the farewell repast taken by Jesus in the Cenacle. Let us imitate the piety of the ages of faith when Christians loved to honor the very least of our Savior's actions, and so to speak, make them their own by thus interweaving the minutest details of his life into their own. What earnest reality of love and adoration was given to our Jesus in those olden times when his being sovereign Lord and Redeemer was the ruling principle of both individual and social life. Nowadays, we may follow the principle as fervently as we please in the privacy of our own consciences or at most in our own homes, but publicly and when we are before the world, no. To say nothing of the evil results of this modern limitation of Jesus' rights as our King. What could be more sacrilegiously unjust to him 
who deserves our whole service everywhere and at all times. The angels said to the apostles, This Jesus shall come as ye have seen him going into heaven. Happy we, if during his absence we shall have so unreservedly loved and served him as to be able to meet him with confidence when he comes to judge us. Beloved, we have no time. We have no, it might be another thousand years, but we may not live another day. There's no time to begin to live and to begin to renew your marriages and keep your marriage vows and begin to truly be the teachers of your family and nurture them in the faith. And don't leave it to the church or to the schools, beloved. Parents are given that responsibility. Um, and we need to live the faith as if it's true. There's the music for our break. We'll have one segment when we return and our lines are wide open. You are yet able and welcome to call in. We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as the Catholic Current, Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. We're happy to be with you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the breaking news of the day. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. across the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's every weekday morning at 7 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there. God love you. This is Jesse Romero, host of Jesus 911, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm joined each day by a variety of co-hosts like Ruben Nava, Paul Clay, Dan Schneider, and my amazing wife, Anita Romero. We tackle Catholic devotions, spiritual warfare, family life, saving America, and everything in between. Join us each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Jesus 911. You can also catch a bonus encore Saturdays at noon Eastern. God bless you. Keep the faith. Bring many more people closer to our Lord by letting them know about Catholic Radio. One of the simplest ways to promote Catholic Radio is by displaying a bumper magnet on your car. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio on the road. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. Uh, we have about 10 minutes and um, uh, we can take your calls, your emails, your texts, and our, our lines are wide open. 
call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Um, I think we have a call from Michelle in uh, Windsor, Ontario. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Mother Miriam, and how are Hi, you today? Oh, I'm absolutely fine. Um, how about oh. yourself, sweetheart? Oh, I'm well. I'm very well. Thank God. Thank you. And thank you for taking my call. And sure. uh, I'm looking forward to this, this talk because I do uh, appreciate the the wisdom that God is is giving you in all of your shows. So thank you, honey. I'm um, grateful for this grace he's given you for sure. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm very perplexed right now, Mother, because just because of the times we're living in with the the COVID um, measures taking place in in the churches. I was going to a Latin Mass in my city, but they were not allowing us to receive Holy Communion on the tongue. And a Latin parish? Yeah, yeah. Shame on them. Shame on them. They were forcing us to receive in the hand, and I know. Oh, how awful. I've never met... A Catholic church yet, a Latin church that did that. Oh, well, how, that's mm-hmm. tragic. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know a lot, and a lot of people, because this was happening, a lot of people uh, left. Uh, and I had thankfully found an Eastern Catholic church to go to. And there, I don't agree with any of the measures because I don't agree with the whole pandemic um but anyhow that's besides the point um i would but I it's, it is the point that's a good point go ahead uh-huh yeah thank you yeah so all these measures are really unnecessary of course but anyhow so yeah i found an eastern catholic church to go to and they were giving us they were allowing us to receive holy communion on a wooden spoon and we had to have our own individual spoon and uh instead of just the one main one and uh, hmm. one day that's I was, interesting I was, yeah, yeah, interesting for sure. So one day I, I stayed behind and I ended up speaking with one of the gentlemen and I noticed that he was wrapping up the spoons in in a cloth and he had a Lysol wipe and one of the wipes was even dirty on the end of it. And then he put the the spoons in a bag and I said, are those the, are those the spoons that, that were used at, in, during the divine liturgy that our Lord was on? Like... I, I don't understand here what's going on here, but I think so. And he said, yes. I said, where are those spoons going? And he said, well, uh, another gentleman that attends the church, he's going to take them to, he takes them to the cottage to burn, his cottage to burn them. And this gentleman goes to his cottage like three times a year. So these spoons were sitting, these spoons were basically, I, I had found out, were sitting wrapped up in a bag for a very long time. Oh, how awful. And, um, yeah, and I said, well, this is a sacrilege. And I said, what about the priest? And the priest that we have is 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 um, he's a lovely man. He's not he's he's not well. He's elderly. He's on an oxygen oxygen tank right now, and so he it's kind of a, an extraordinary circumstance where he can't bring the spoons and burn them um, himself apparently, and so. So you mean you bring the individual, the parishioners, sorry to interrupt you, bring their own spoon and then the church keeps those spoons and burns them? Well, the, the church provides the wooden spoons, and and so oh. I, I guess this is what, yeah, this is what they do. Um, How interesting! Oh they, my goodness! They, they burn them mm-hmm. after. There is another uh, place that uh, uses individual spoons, but they're utensils, like they're 
Oh, what's the material? I can't even think right now. Just the regular right. type of spoon. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, and, and they sterilize them and they do something different. But at this church and many of the other Eastern rites, um, they're using the wooden spoons. And so they're supposed to, yeah, they're supposed to be burnt this the very same day. Mm-hmm. Um after the liturgy and this this just wasn't happening and and Mm -hmm. so i had talked to the priest and the priest um talked to the layman and and the layman came to me and said okay i'm going to take them and i'm going to do the prayers and burn them every day and i said or every sunday excuse me and i said okay well i i still am not overly familiar but if this is what the priest said is is what should be done then i'm gonna i don't understand the, the laws in the Eastern Church because they are a little bit different from the laws in the Western mm-hmm. Western Church yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, now fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, they asked me to help with the the singing, and so the, the gentleman who normally takes care of the spoons, he, well, he he's a singer. It's just the two of us. So if he's not there, then I'm I'm to fill in, which I don't I don't mind. I don't mind doing. Fill in with the spoons? No, no, not the spoons. Not with the, the singing. Spoons, with the the singing. singing. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, not the spoons. So so I did this. I, I did sing a couple of weeks ago while he was gone to a wedding in, in the States. And then it dawned on me and I thought, so who's taking care of the spoons today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I called another gentleman and he says, oh, they're, they're, he'll take care of them when he gets back. They're in the church mm-hmm. and... And so anyway, Mother, I'm sorry. I know it's just a long-winded uh, story here, uh, but I'm very perplexed about all of this, and I just think, should should we just not even be attending the Divine Liturgy if this is going to happen? Is it, it Should I just not go anymore? I wouldn't. Uh, I know they rely on... Okay. I wouldn't. Okay. I, if, if our Lord's um, body and blood are being so carelessly handled... Um, mm-hmm. I would not continue to go there myself. Um, now, it's it's an Eastern Catholic church, right? Not an Orthodox yes. church? No, 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 not Orthodox, no. Okay, good. Um, is, do you yeah, not have a... Union. They're in union, right. Do, do, is there not a, a, a Latin church, a, a different church for you to be involved in? So the Latin, uh, yes, the, the community, it's called the St. Benedict community. They're now doing things properly. I can receive um, on the tongue and and uh, on the knees. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about is, I will say about this Eastern Catholic Church, we closed down two times, but this one particular church, they, they didn't close down the second time at all. Mm-hmm. And so I... I had a sense of loyalty to them because they they welcomed me and um, and I think it's we're I think we're going to get shut down again in in the fall. So there's this part of me that is torn because I think well if I leave then I've kind of burnt bridges. But but then at the same time, um, uh, number one, our Lord has to be considered first. And and that's and exactly right. Thinking, and don't yeah, worry about thinking, loyalty to a church or a parish. Don't worry about that. Our loyalty, our focus, as you just said, is Christ. So if you leave and then return, it's not an issue. This is not a social club. You you go yes. where you wish, when you wish, and not to worry about it. If if you um, if you have a ministry there, so to speak, like singing, well then you're then you're committed. You've decided to commit yourself uh, or leave. But um, your your loyalty is 
don't worry about them. Just your loyalty is to Christ. We are the body of Christ. We want to respect one another and consider that. Um, but uh, the first thing is, is, again, as you know, your loyalty to Christ. So if he is reverenced, then you go. And if he's not, um, uh, then you may wish to leave. Um, and your commitment to the people should not uh, override that. Of course, of course. Now, I is it? Do you do you know if it's okay that this gentleman is is taking care of of the spoons after the divine liturgy? I'm wondering if okay, I can go those days. But if he's not going to be there, then I'm not going to. Fill and there's no one else to do that. Why doesn't the priest take care of it? I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Not I've well. never heard. Yeah, okay, that's right. He's not. He's on oxygen. Well, I would suggest that um, ask the priest if he couldn't appoint a second assistant to this man for when he's not there. Um, so it doesn't depend just on him. Okay, and then that would probably be okay. Then I wouldn't be dishonoring our Lord and and. Well, if it's a layman taking care of it now, uh, as a sacristan, he could have an assistant. Uh, 